0: Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill podcast. At Rock Hill, we're all about reaching people with the life-giving and life-changing message of Jesus. Listen in as Pastor Matt Chappell teaches how God's word applies to our everyday lives. So glad that you're here today. We had an unbelievable first service at 9.30, but I believe God's gonna do something extra special at the 11 o'clock service today. And I'm so thankful that you're here. And, uh, and uh, God has already worked today in a great way, but I believe that the best is yet to come for this service and for our church. And uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, we are uh, somewhat of a new church. We just started this church one year ago. And uh, God has been blessing and God has been doing some great things and we're greatly looking forward to the future. And we believe that God is gonna do a revival in the Inland Empire. And uh, we're so excited about all that we believe that God has in store, and today uh, we're going to look to the Bible, if that's all right. And uh, we're going to look to God's Word. I'm excited about the message that that God has put on my heart, and uh, uh, why we're really celebrating today, and what Easter is truly all about. And uh, thank you for being here. You go ahead and find a seat this morning. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in First Corinthians, chapter number 15 first corinthians chapter 15 and if you don't have a bible uh that's all right we're gonna have most of the verses on the screen this morning and uh you'll be able to follow along there how many of you have already had some sort of egg hunt this weekend can i see your hands already had something how many of you want is to come anybody <laughs> you guys like do not believe in egg hunts there's like one person in here i'm gonna have an egg hunt good night 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be. I want to preach a message this morning that I've entitled, A World of Difference. A World of Difference. Everybody say, A World of Difference. difference. Look to your neighbor and say, A World of Difference. difference. Now look to your second choice and say, A World of Difference. difference. (laughs) 1 Corinthians 15, we'll start reading in verse number one. If you're there, would you say, there? The Bible says this, Paul is writing to community of Jesus followers in the ancient city of Corinth. And he writes this message. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Everybody say saved. Amen. If ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed it in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Everybody say the Scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again. That he rose again uh, on the third day, again, according to the Scriptures. Let's have a word of prayer this morning and uh, we'll get into the message today. Father, thank you for this day you've given us. God, thank you for... Uh, The great first service that we've already had, God, thank you for the many decisions that were made for you. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would work in this service in a special way. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, attentive, and uh, ready to receive what you'd have for us today. God, I pray that if there's anyone in this room that is unfamiliar with uh, the power of the resurrection or unfamiliar with the truth of the gospel, Lord, I pray that it would be crystal clear today. And, uh, Lord, I pray that we can leave this room. A little bit differently than how we came because of your word. In Jesus name and everybody said amen. amen. How many of you enjoy traveling? Can I see your hands? You like to travel? Okay very good. I remember about uh, 10 years ago I was on a missions trip and we were in China and uh, we were having a great time. And there was about 10 uh, to 12 pastors and business leaders there and everything was going great and I remember towards the end of that trip my eye started to itch a little bit and then my eye turned a little bit pink, and then it turned red, and I realized that I had pink eye, okay, and that was uh, no fun at all. Has anybody ever had pink eye before? Okay, it's just terrible. It's no fun, and, and I remember after that, the worst part about pink eye was not necessarily the pain that I was in. The worst part about pink eye was the fact that everyone was treating me like I had leprosy the entire rest of the trip. Every time I walked into a bus, everyone kind of like leaned away from me, like, don't touch me, and it's like I had the plague, you know, and uh, uh, it was not, not enjoyable to have pink eye, and I remember I was seriously regretting flying from China uh, back to LAX. So it was going to be a very long flight, and, and uh, uh, I, did not, I was not looking forward to uh, making that trip with pink eye and being a little sick, and I just was not feeling it. And I remember we got to the airport, and we were about to check in for that flight, and uh, one of the business leaders on that trip, he came to me, and he said, Hey, I know that you have uh, pink eye, and I know that you're in some discomfort, and so uh, I upgraded your ticket to first class. And I was like, hello, <laughs> like, I'll take pink eye every day of the week, you know. And, uh, and uh, first class is amazing. It's the first time I ever rode first class, and, and it was awesome. We, we got to go on the plane first and uh, we got on the plane, and they, they were giving us all sorts of things. They were giving us uh, uh, menus, and they were giving us uh, blankets, and not just like the kind that are in the little plastic bag, but like real blankets, you know. They were giving us like moist towelettes for our face, like who doesn't love a good moist towelette, and uh, it was awesome. They were asking us what we wanted to eat, and uh, it was amazing, but the best part about first class by far was when you're sitting there, and everyone is going to the back of the plane, and coach, the looks that you can give them just like, stinks to be you, like sorry, as you, you know, they're going back there, and uh, that, that flight was amazing, and I love flying first class, and I realized that flying first class makes all the difference in the world. It, it completely transformed that, that trip, uh, being able to fly first class. It makes a dramatic difference. Everybody say difference. Yeah. This morning as we celebrate Easter, we are celebrating the one thing regarding our faith that makes all of the difference in the world. In fact, this one thing is the thing that differentiates Christianity from every other major world religion. And this one thing is the claim of a historical and bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. That, that Jesus rose from the dead. That is why we celebrate the resurrection. That is why we celebrate Easter. The resurrection is not simply a component of our faith. It is the very center of our faith. If the resurrection didn't happen, then we are just wasting time. Everything falls apart. It all hinges upon the resurrection. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, he's writing to a church that he started in Corinth, and they had some questions surrounding this idea of the resurrection. Now, in ancient culture, the Greeks were very superstitious, they were very religious, but they doubted and denied the idea of a bodily resurrection. Some of the Greek philosophers, such as Plato, they would say that there was indeed immortality for the soul, but just not available for the body. And so when they heard about the resurrection from the dead, they would mock that. They would laugh at it. They completely discounted the plausibility of a bodily resurrection. And uh, when Paul showed up in Corinth in Acts chapter number 18, he had just come from the city of Athens in Greece in Acts chapter 17. And the Bible gives us a little bit of insight on the view of the people toward a resurrection. The Bible says this in Acts 17, uh, verse number 31. Paul was preaching there, and he said this, because he hath appointed a day in which uh, he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof uh, he hath given assurance unto all men in that he that he hath raised him from the dead. So Paul is preaching the resurrection. He's preaching about Jesus. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. And so when they heard about this idea of someone coming back to life in a resurrection, they laughed, they said, this is completely ridiculous. And they had a lot of confusion surrounding this idea of a resurrection. And so Paul is writing to this group of believers and he's, he's answering some of their questions about the resurrection and some of their questions would have been uh, did the resurrection actually happen and was it really a bodily resurrection and really what difference does the resurrection make and and as i think about those questions i think about our own culture and some of the questions that the culture today is asking such as what difference does god make and what difference does a jewish carpenter from the first century make on my life today what 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 difference does the resurrection make and so Paul writes 1 Corinthians 15, and it's a beautiful passage of Scripture because what he is doing is he is comparing and contrasting a life with the resurrection to a life without the resurrection. He's saying, let's let's look at a life if the resurrection did happen, and then let's look at a life if the resurrection did not happen. And so this morning, for a few minutes, what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at three simple elements that I see in 1 Corinthians 15 regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you ready this morning? Number one, the first element that I see is the reality of a resurrection. Now, in this first point, I'm going to lay a little bit of a foundation, as Paul does, on the importance of uh, the reality of the resurrection. If you have a Bible, notice verse number one. Paul says this, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. uh, The gospel, meaning the good news, uh, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved. And so he says, you're saved by this news. You're, you're, you're saved by the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, he tells us in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, uh, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so if there was ever any doubt in your mind what the gospel is, it's right there in verses 3 and 4. That is the gospel. It is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful today for the gospel of Jesus Christ? The fact that Jesus came, lived a perfectly sinless life, and he died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, and then he didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day. And that's the gospel. Now, that's quite the claim that someone died. And rose again, right? That, that's a pretty big claim. And we live in today a very uh, fact conscientious, conscientious culture, right? A very uh, a culture that is always wanting to check the facts and let's fact check that. Anytime a news story comes out or you know, a politician makes a claim, so we gotta check the facts. And I love what Paul uh, does here in 1 Corinthians 15 because he makes this claim and then he says, let's examine the evidence, let's check the facts. And, and so Paul gives us uh, three paramount evidences three paramount facts regarding the reality of the resurrection we see them in these verses notice the first the first one is predictions of a resurrection he he says we know that the resurrection actually happened because uh, there were some predictions about it in verse number three and four it says this at the end of both verses it says according to the scriptures everybody say according to the scriptures According to the scriptures. Now, now, what was, uh, what was he talking about here? He was talking about the predictions and the prophecies found in the Old Testament concerning the, the, the life and the work of Jesus Christ. Concerning the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These things were prophesied a thousand years before Jesus came and fulfilled these prophecies. That is quite uh, the prediction. I remember growing up, I used to watch a show uh, on TV called Early Edition. Anybody ever see the show Early Edition? Okay. Two, three people, okay? You guys are really you're really missing out. This is a tremendous show. I'll tell you what it was about. Uh, it was about a man that received a newspaper every morning on his doorstep, and in that newspaper contained the news for the next day. And so he was able to kind of see the future and go out and save and, and save, save the day, you know? And, and probably the most interesting element of that of that show was a cat was the one that delivered the newspaper. Okay, so whoever came up with that idea, genius. You know, uh, so the cat came and delivered the newspaper, and he saw it, and he was able to kind of see uh, the future and go and save the day. And, and of course, if that was a reality, that would be amazing. If you could kind of see the next day in advance. But what Paul is saying here in First Corinthians 15 is not only did we see a day in advance the resurrection, but we saw thousands of years before the resurrection. There was Old Testament prophecies uh, predicting some of the very smallest details concerning the. Death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, one of which is found in, in Psalm chapter number 16. David is writing concerning the coming Messiah, and he says this in Psalm 16, verse number 10. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one, the Messiah, to see corruption. And so he's talking about the coming Messiah, that, that he will not see corruption. He will not see uh, 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 rotting in hell. And then Peter quotes this in Acts chapter 2, verses 31 through 32, when he says this, he, seeing this before, speaking of David, spake of the resurrection of Christ. Everybody say resurrection. Resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. And so Psalm 16 uh, uh, predicted uh, the Messiah would come and that this would This would happen, that he would not stay dead, but that his flesh would not see corruption. Another astounding passage is Psalm chapter number 22, which predicts some of the very specific elements concerning uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. Psalm 22, uh, the author writes that the Messiah's hands and feet would be pierced. And that's exactly what happens in John chapter number 20. Psalm 22 says that the Messiah's body would not experience uh, any broken bones. And this was an amazing fact to predict because in a Roman crucifixion, they would often break the legs of the criminals in order to speed up the death process. They would often break the legs, but Jesus' legs were not broken, fulfilling the prophecy all the way back a thousand years before in Psalm chapter number 22. Uh, To get even more specific than that, Psalm 22 said that they would cast lots for the Messiah's clothing, and that is exactly what happened to the garments of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is saying this resurrection, the reality of the resurrection, is based on these predictions that happened thousands of years before. But not only does he mention uh, these predictions, he, he next mentions some eyewitnesses. Some eyewitnesses. Now, what is the best evidence to prove that you actually rose from the dead? You show up right you let people view your body you let people see you and the bible says this in acts chapter number th- 1 verse number 3 to whom also he showed himself alive everybody say alive, alive. after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So Jesus showed up for 40 days and he made himself visible and known so people could see that he really did uh, raise from the dead. He was not in hiding. And so what Paul does in first Corinthians 15 is he is about to list in chronological order uh, some eyewitnesses that saw the resurrected king. And the first one uh, that he mentions is Peter. Would you notice verse number five? and that he was seen of Cephas, that's an Aramaic word for rock, Uh, the Greek word is Petros, talking about Peter, and then of the twelve. And so first he showed up to Peter, showed himself alive, then he went to the twelve. That was a term for the original group of disciples, not necessarily referring to a number, because at this point Judas was no longer with them. He had had committed suicide, and so he he showed himself to Peter, then he showed himself to the twelve, and then a most remarkable statement that he makes in verse number six, and I don't want you to miss it. Verse 6, it says this, And after that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Some people might say, well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just based on some hallucinations of people. It's pretty hard to have a mass hallucination, where 500 people have the same hallucination. And so Paul is saying 500 people saw him at once and, and some, are, some are falling asleep. That's a Bible way of saying some have passed away, some have died. But what he was saying is the majority is still alive, that they are still alive. Why would he say that? 1 Corinthians 15 is written about 20 years after the resurrection. And so what Paul is saying is there are people, there are above 500 people that saw the resurrected Christ, and this was an invitation to an investigation. He was saying, go ask them for yourselves. Go and check the facts. Go, go and investigate this claim that, that Jesus rose again from the dead. This is not something that's in secret. This is not something that we've conjured up in our own minds. If you're really doubting the resurrection, go and talk to them. Now, if the resurrection didn't happen, Paul wouldn't have said, go and ask all those 500 people. And so he was saying, go and investigate. I love when Paul was uh, preaching and explaining the resurrection to a man named Agrippa in Acts chapter number 26. And he says this, For the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Paul said, go and search the facts, but you can find out this information that I'm not making it up. You can go and investigate, and I want to encourage you this morning. If you are having some doubts about your faith and you're wondering about the validity of the Bible and the validity of a resurrection claim, I would encourage you to seek the truth. If you have questions, I would encourage you, ask. Because I believe that the more you seek and the more you pursue the truth and the more you investigate, you will come to discover the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Paul was saying, go and investigate. Then he mentions another eyewitness, which I believe is the most remarkable. In verse number seven, he says, after that, uh, he was seen of James. Everybody say James. James. Now, James was the brother of Jesus. And what's interesting about James is he did not believe that Jesus was the son of God while Jesus was performing his earthly ministry. In fact, the Bible tells us in John chapter seven that his brothers did not believe in him. The Bible tells us in Mark that they thought he was beside himself. They thought that he was crazy for claiming to be God. And it wasn't until James, the brother of Jesus, saw the resurrected Jesus that he believed. And when he realized Jesus died and he rose again and he has power over the grave, James believed and he became the pastor at Jerusalem. And the secular Jewish historian Josephus tells us that James went on to be martyred for his faith, preaching the resurrection. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, why would his own brother die preaching that message? And so... Paul is wit- he's, he's, he's telling us there were some witnesses. There were some eyewitnesses. And then he even mentions himself in verses 8 through 10. And he talks about how he uh, witnessed the resurrected uh, Messiah, the resurrected Jesus. Um, William Paley, he said this, Christian apologist and author. He said, would men in such circumstances... Uh, talking about the original group of uh, believers, the early church. Would men in such circumstances pretend to have seen what they never saw, assert facts which they had not knowledge of, go about lying to teach virtue, and though not only convinced of Christ being an imposter, but having seen the success of his imposture in his crucifixion, yet persist in carrying on, and so persist as to bring upon themselves for nothing, and with full knowledge of the consequence, enmity and hatred, danger and death. What he was saying is, why would they go and spread, if it didn't happen, why would they go and spread all of these lies knowing that it would end in death when they had nothing to profit them? Blaise Pascal said, I believe the witness who has his throat slit. They're willing to go and die for this message. They're willing to go and give their lives for the fact that they saw a resurrected Savior. And so we see the predictions and the eyewitnesses, but then the consistency in verse number 11. I believe the third evidence, the third fact that Paul gives is the consistency of the message. Notice verse number 11. If you're there, would you say amen? Verse 11, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believed. And so what Paul says here is whether it was me, whether it was James, whether it was Peter, whether it was the apostles, whoever it was, we all preached the same message. We all preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. See, uh, when you have that many people who have claimed to see someone who has come back to life, uh, you better make sure that your story is straight. And he said, we all preached the same message. I remember when I was in high school several times a few times, I would get called into the uh, principal's office. And uh, I remember before going into the principal's office, I made sure that I, I contacted my friends and I said, let's make sure that our story is straight. Like, like what are you going to say? And what are you going to say? You know? And inevitably, when you're not telling the truth, uh, the truth is going to slip through the cracks. And if the resurrection did not happen, how could they have such a consistent, congruent, harmonious message of the resurrected Savior? They went and they all preached the same message. And so Paul was saying there are some evidences of a resurrection. And we have to understand this morning that the, the resurrection is a reality. I want to read one, one more quote from uh, Thomas Arnold, who was a professor of history at Oxford. And uh, he wrote a very famous secular uh, three volume history of Rome. And he said this. I've been used for many years to study the histories of other times and to examine away the evidence of those who have written about them. And I know of no one fact in the history of mankind, which is proved by better and fuller evidence of every sort to the understanding of a fair inquirer, than the great sign which God hath given us that Christ died and rose again from the dead. Is anybody thankful today that the resurrection is not a fantasy? It is a reality. It's not a blind faith. We have some facts. We have some evidence, and we can search it out and come to the truth. And so Paul first says, uh, let's talk about the reality of a resurrection, but I want us to see the second thought, and it's this, the ramifications of no resurrection. And What Paul does next is very fascinating. He says, okay, let's pretend that it was all a lie. Let's pretend that Jesus did not come back to life, that Jesus did not raise from the dead. What are the implications of that? What would happen? What are the ramifications if Jesus did not come back to life? And we see uh, several of them. Uh, I'm going to list four. And the first one that we see is in verse number 14. It says this And if Christ be not risen, if this didn't happen, this is all just made up, it's all fantasy, it's fable. If Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also vain. The word vain means empty. And so the first ramification of no resurrection is that we have no purpose. If the resurrection didn't happen, if it was just made up, then really our lives are just meaningless. We're just buying time. We're just going through the motions. We're going to die anyways. What, is, what does this really matter? If there's, if there's no hope of life after death, if there's no possibility of a future resurrection for our bodies, then, then we're just kind of wasting time and our lives are essentially meaningless. Stephen Hawking who died a few weeks ago, said this, we are just an average breed of monkeys on a minor planet of a very average star. And see, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then our lives have no purpose. We're just buying time. Leo Tolstoy, who wrote War and Peace, who many consider to be one of the most famous authors who have ever lived, he said this, my question, which at the age of 50 brought me to the verge of suicide, was the simplest of questions. It was, what will come of what I am doing today or tomorrow? What will come of my whole life? Why should I live? Why wish for anything? It can be expressed thus. Is there any meaning in my life that the inevitable death awaiting me does not destroy? Without knowing what I am or, and why I'm here, life is impossible. See, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, we have no purpose. That's why Paul said in verse 32 of, of this chapter, he said, if after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Paul said, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then let's just eat, drink, throw a party, do whatever we want, because none of this even matters. There's no purpose if Jesus did not come back to life. But there's a second ramification. We see it in verse number 17. It says this, and if Christ be not raised... So again, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. And so if Jesus did not raise from the dead, the second ramification is there is no freedom. We are stuck in our sins. If Jesus did not conquer the grave, then life is just a vicious cycle of misery and sin and temptation. And we're all just kind of doing what's right in our own eyes. And there's no solution to the problem of sin. There's no freedom. We're just stuck in bondage. Paul said, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we're just stuck in our sins. There's no answer for the the, the fallen nature of humanity. There's no freedom. But then he goes on in verse number 18. And he says this, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. He says the third ramification, if the resurrection didn't happen, then we're just going to die with no hope. We're just going to perish. Life is just empty. There's no hope of life after death. Anything that we might say to someone who has experienced uh, death or lost a loved one, it's all taken away. We can no longer say they're in a better place. We can no longer say you'll see them again someday. All of that is stripped away. Without the resurrection, there is no hope for life after death. You might be thinking, well, this is not a very encouraging Easter message but there's more notice verse number 19 if in this life only we have hope in christ if it's just about this life we are of all men most miserable everybody say miserable the word means pitiable we're just to feel sorry for there's 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 no joy we're just miserable Without the resurrection, there's no true joy. Sure, we can find short-term satisfaction. Sure, we can find a little bit of pleasure here and there and some some happiness. But true long-term joy is non-existent. If all that we have is this life, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then there is no joy. And this is what I want us to see this morning. This is what life looks like without the resurrection. No purpose. No freedom. No hope. And no joy but there's a third thought that Paul gives us and this is what I came to preach this morning are you ready the results of a resurrection the results of a resurrection notice what he says in verse number 20 he says but now Christ is risen from the dead here's the good news Jesus is not dead he is alive today Christ is risen from the dead And so if he did come back to life, and if he did uh, raise from the dead, then what does that mean? And if he did uh, come back to life, then I want to tell you the good news this morning. It's this. The reverse must be true. And instead of going from no purpose in life, we now have purpose in life. And Jesus said, hey, you you were created with a purpose, and I knew you before you were ever even born, and I had a plan and a purpose for your life. And so I want to tell you this morning that you are not an accident. Your life is not meaningless. You are a child of the one true king. You are bought with with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and he has a perfect plan for your life and he wants to do something incredible in and through your life. You do have purpose. You do have meaning. Don't ever let the devil jump on your back and say you're worth nothing. He leaves the 99 for you. He loves you. you. You have a purpose. God has a plan for your life. He knows everything about you. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows the doubts that you have. He knows the sin that you've committed. He knows everything about you and yet he still loves you and he says, guess what? I still have purpose for you. And so if the resurrection did happen, that's good news. We have purpose. But not only do we have purpose, we now also have freedom. Because of the resurrection, we have an answer for sin. His name is Jesus Christ. And he conquered the grave for our sin. And he said, all is forgiven. Every lustful thought that you've ever had, every lie that you've ever told, every person you've ever wronged, every person that you've ever cheated on, everything wrong, every sin that you've ever committed, Jesus says, guess what? It's been nailed to the cross. And now we have a solution for this problem of sin. See, the Bible says that all of us have one thing in common this morning. We all come from different backgrounds and different cities and grew up in different places and have different worldviews based on our upbringing, based on our education. But one thing that we all share in common is this, we all sin. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 3:10, there is none righteous, no, not one. And so we're all stuck in sin. But the good news is that God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anybody thankful today that we can have freedom found in Jesus Christ, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And so so not only do we have purpose now, not only do we have freedom, but here's the best news. We have hope. We have hope for life after death. And I love 1 Corinthians 15 because yes, it's about the resurrection of Jesus. But if you read it in context, if you read it in its entirety, really 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is about your resurrection and it's about my resurrection. What Paul is saying is if Jesus rose again from the dead, that is a resurrection precedent. He, that, that is the first fruits. Because Jesus is alive, we too can truly live. And we too can have hope, that confident expectation of good to come, that confident expectation that we can have a home in heaven and we can have a citizenship secured for us in heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We now have hope. The Bible says this in John 14, verse 19, Jesus said, yet a little while and the world seeth me no more but ye see me because i live ye shall live also i love what paul says at the conclusion of this chapter in 1st corinthians 15 it says this in verse number 54 so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody thankful this morning for the victory that is found in the person of Jesus Christ? We have hope. We have hope of life after death. And then, since the resurrection did happen, we now have joy, and we can experience the life-giving, the life-changing message of Jesus. We can experience satisfaction. We can experience long-term joy. See, what difference does the resurrection make? It makes a world of difference. It makes all the difference in the world. It brings us from death into life, and from bondage into freedom, and from no hope and no purpose to hope and to purpose. It makes all the difference in the world. Paul is beautifully portraying for us what a life with the resurrection looks like and what a life without it looks like. When the Spanish were setting out to explore and to try to find the new world, they had a coin, and on on their coin was uh, minted a Latin phrase that was uh, ne plus ultra. And it means there is nothing beyond. There's nothing beyond. But when Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. I got a good grade in third, third grade, I got a good name. When they discovered the new world, they changed the meaning and they changed the phrase that was on that coin from nay plus ultra to plus ultra, which means there is something beyond. And I came today to tell you this that is the message of the empty tomb that there is something beyond there is something beyond this life there is more than just the here and the now is anybody thankful today that we can have hope of eternal life and there is something more because of what Jesus did on the cross there's something more Jesus is without a doubt the most famous person who has ever lived More songs have been written about him, more books have been written about him, more paintings painted of him than any other person that's ever lived. And if Jesus did not come back to life, then none of that is possible. See, Jesus is the solution to every struggle. He's the answer to every ache. He's the hope for every hurt. He's the provision for every problem. Jesus is everything. And I wanna close with this verse this morning. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And if you don't hear anything else this morning, this is what Easter is all about. This is what we came here to do. Romans 10. Paul said this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you're here today, and you're not sure about your eternal destiny, if you're unsure about your standing with God, if you were to die today, where would you spend eternity? Would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? Not really sure. Well, if we have faith and we believe that Jesus did raise from the dead based on fact, based on evidence, based on his word, and based on faith, then we can experience eternal life. That is the gospel message. That's what it's all about. And this morning, if you're here today and you're thinking, I'm, I'm just not really sure. I'm not sure about my eternal destiny. I'd like to know that. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, that these things are written speaking of the word of God that ye may know. You can have that confidence. You can know. You can, you can put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you have a relationship with God because Jesus is alive today. So I want to encourage you today, if you're having any sort of doubt in your heart, let's get that settled today. Today could be the best day of your life. Today can be the day of salvation for you. And you can leave this room with a confidence saying, you know what? I know that I have hope. I know where I'm going to go when I die. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. Thanks again for listening today. If this message was an encouragement to you, let us know. You can email us at hello at rockhill.church and keep up with all the latest news at rockhill.church or on Instagram at rockhillchurch.